Welcome to Going Deep. Joining me as always, Brandon Angelo. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Running backs this week. Yes, sir. Let's get it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about our thoughts on what we think is essential for running back play, what we think that they can learn at the next level that might be easier to develop. Um, and then we're going to talk about some, you know, we'll, we'll each give a handful of backs that maybe we think can make a roster in the late rounds, backs that we believe are probably mid to late picks that we think could become viable committee contributors, and then maybe two to three that we think have potential early round talent regardless of their actual draft capital, and we think could develop into either a lead back in a committee or a starter, and then maybe some guys that we're just not quite as high on as maybe what we're seeing out there thus far. You know, and obviously what's out there is whether it's media or scouts we've talked to or, you know, people, you know, whatever those sources are. So, sure. you know, to begin, I mean, what, it, what do you feel is essential for running back play that's difficult to develop if you're entering the draft at this point in your career? You've already, you know, you've already built, done this level of work and training. Now you're in the league. Co schemes are going to be more complex. Defenders are going to be better. The playbooks are going to be thicker. You've got right. lots of things to deal with outside of outside of just playing. What do you better you better know these things, or it's going to be it's not impossible, but it's going to be tough for you to get better at it. Yeah, I think the biggest one for me is how how do you create space as a runner? Right? Okay. That's a really impactful one because at the, at the collegiate level, it's a lot easier, right? At the NFL level, everybody is as athletic as you are, if not more so. So you have to be much more intentional on in how you create space and understand what's going on on the other side of the ball, right? If you come into the NFL, you know, kind of wide-eyed and, and that's something you have to learn, then I end up like a back like Ronald Jones, where that was not something that he came into the NFL knowing how to do. Because if everybody's as athletic as Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones is in trouble. But in college, he was fairly dominant with his athletics. So we see that happen a lot in the NFL where guys have a little bit of success and then the NFL kind of catches on to them. They have no more no more tools in their toolbox, so to speak. But um, I think the biggest one is definitely, you know, how to create space and understanding, you know, the counterpunch of the counterpunch, so to speak. Yeah, no, that makes total sense for me. I'll, one of the things on that list for me would be pad level. And that's just because when I watch backs, either they cultivate low pad level into at, when they finish runs or they just don't know how to do it. And right. I don't think, I think it's so, it's gotten to the level of being instinctive that a lot of backs just, you know, they get into the crease and they don't know how to run with that lean. They don't know how to do that. It's not part of their style. And it's not about like attacking downhill and accelerating the contact. I mean, look, Travis Etienne and, um, and I would say Rashad White learned how to do that last year. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not as difficult to learn, but it is difficult to get, you got to have, understand how to drop the pads and do it at a level already there because when the game's moving that fast, if you're an upright runner, you're probably going to stay an upright runner. Right. hundred percent. hundred percent agree. Yeah. What's a, what's another one for you? Are there any others that you would, you would add to that? Man, I think I would say the next one on my list would be how to oscillate gears. Does that make sense? I got to change yeah. gears, like how to not only play fast, but play within multiple gears. Yeah. Like have a third, fourth, and fifth gear, but also have a really good first and second gear. But understanding what to use in certain situations, right? There's so many one-speed backs that just don't pan out because all they have is either full throttle or nothing. Yeah. So it's just understanding what to use situationally. Like we talked, you know, at length about Lamar Jackson in the in the past and Christian McCaffrey, how they kind of know, like how a given run is set up, like what they need to be doing, like how fast they need to be moving at X part of the run for the run to be successful. Um, I think that's something that's 
really difficult to learn, especially if you're faster back. Faster backs really struggle with this because, you know, if you run a 4-3, it's a lot harder to control yourself. If you're running a 4-3 and throttle down, and if you're like a 4-5, 4-6 guy, right, you have to rely on those in-between gears um, to, you know, to create chunk gains, really. So I think that's a little bit more difficult for, for the guys that are a bit quicker, but guys that do it really well, like Jimmy or Gibbs, in last year's class did that really well, able to oscillate gears and, and use and use and shift in different, you know, different parameters based on the, the run style and the fit. Um, also the defender, defender alignment's important, but that's another one for me that I would say is just being able to change and oscillate gears. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, obviously the one you stated first is highly important for me. It's that that the eyes and feet having that connection and that right. being able to understand, you know, the run scheme, the keys that you're supposed to read and having down, already having down enough footwork patterns that you can implement or adapt or um kind of create with because it's improvisational sure. you're not just saying okay when i'm running counter and the safety is coming down into the b gap i'm going to use this i'm going to open my hips no but you have to be sometimes you're going to have to use some steps and say okay i understand that I'm gonna have to cut my stride or I'm gonna have to make an efficient change of direction. What's in my toolbox and how, and based on what I'm seeing in that moment, you know, whether you can, um, whether you can make that change. And I would say really what that comes down to more than anything is how well can you read leverage? Because do you see, do you see flashes of color and overreact or do you right. see the flashes of color and do you see the helmets clearly or the hips clearly, whichever one you like to use and and know, okay, I can press this deeper or no, I got to do something right now. And how much space do I really have around me? On right. And if you, and that's where the faster backs, I think it comes down to, as you said, you, you know, if they're used to just blowing past people, those flashes of color, they can get really twitchy and overreact 100%. to that. Yeah, you got to read quicker, right? Yeah. And that's the, or else you pay the price a yeah. lot of times. So I think that's a, that's a really big one because you have to be able to re-leverage and engage in leverage tells at a lot more abrupt of a pace. Yes. And that's, that's kind of, you know, that's a roller coaster for some backs and yeah. that, that can lead to, you know, a lot of fumbling issues too, I think too, because you kind of overplay most scenarios if, if, if the, the, the run's not blocked properly. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's another really big one. Yeah, for sure. And it's the difference between say a Marlon Mack coming out and a Frank Gore who sure. an aging Frank Gore and watching them run the same plays and seeing sure. vastly different results early on in their, in Marlon Mack's career. So Okay, what are some skills that you think running backs can learn at the level that are a little easier for them to develop that you go, all right, I'm watching them. They can't do this at all or they don't do it very well um, and that doesn't project well right now, but I'm confident enough to say give them some time and they'll get better at it and I can maybe project them as a potential starter or potential contributor even though right now it may not happen immediately. For sure, I think the a big one is the speed of the game, right? I think that comes more through experience and study, um, and just the ability to be around, you know, professional athletes all the time. Uh, that's a big one because the, the jump from the collegiate ranks to the NFL is is, is pretty. It's a pretty stark contrast. So I think that's a big one where that's kind of a, an experience based trait in a sense, and some athletes get it sooner and can conceptualize it and cognitively process that earlier, but some it takes a little bit, but I think that's one that you, you know, you listen to athletes and say, hey, what was the big jump from year one to year two? And it's like, oh, the game slowed down. That's a big one that a lot of athletes say, and I think that's true with the more you experience the speed of the game at that level, you experience the chess match and what a lot of NFL football is, offensive defense, uh, that's a big one. Yeah, I would add, um that's related to that is managing situational play. 
on and it's not i'm not just talking like two minute drills or things like that but knowing down and distance situations and field position and managing the game and going okay so my coach wants to keep his playbook open and i'm not going to get away with bouncing certain plays outside when it's a stack box and there's early penetration i'm gonna have to take what i can get because i don't want to put us in a second and 15 or a third and 12. i need to keep us in a second and 10 or a second and nine and second and eight and if i get the one and two yard plays they're actually little victories for my coaching staff and my offense as opposed to um, bigger defeats because the margin between a small victory and a huge and a huge hole is maybe the span of taking that one to two yards or a no gainer and losing two to three yards um, so I think a lot of guys can learn that and do learn that um, but early on in their careers they're they're so used to being the man that they oftentimes get that syndrome of going, I got to carry the team on my back and make this play. 100%, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, moving forward, you know, let's talk about some of these players. Who are some guys? That, I'll add pass pro, too. I think pass pro can be learned. Am I am I off base on that? Or no, I don't, I don't think so. Because I, 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 I think, you know, schematically, from the collegiate level of the NFL, I think my, everything's different. From an offensive standpoint, right? Yeah. You know, you're playing. You know, you're playing with new guys, new scheme, new coaches, coordinators, etc. So, yeah, I think that's a big one. Is you know being able to understand, you know, where to be, when to be there, yeah. and also to you know, if a quarterback's checking or checking into a pass, you know, oh, okay, I, I have to get, I have to get the free rusher on this one, right? So, like yeah. stuff like that is just different at a different level. So. Yeah, that's a learn. That's a yeah. learn thing because a lot of, I mean, everybody has the ability to pass protect from a physical standpoint. Like most NFL backs are, are stoutly built guys. I yeah. would say, right? So you have the physical ability to do it. It just being in the right place, right position, um, right alignment from a body perspective, yeah. um, so you can protect the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think the thing that I've always heard from the people in our industry is they often talk about the want to that has to be there. As long as the want to is there, you can do it. And I would agree with that. I would say now if we're going to go from mid-level pass protector to top-level pass protector, I would say it's probably harder to learn to throw a punch without dropping your head. Um, it's, you know, I think that that becomes one of those things that gets so ingrained that learning to stay right. upright and deliver and do it on time so that you can deliver the punch and stay intact in is probably, is probably a harder thing. And there's some guys that just physically aren't going to hold up to do that. So when you, when they're throwing a shoulder or they're throwing a forearm against a much larger defender that nobody's really expecting them to to stone they're just expecting them to hold off for as long as possible right. it, you know we there's realistic levels of expectation there not everyone's going to be edger and james not everyone's going to be what alvin kamara has de developed into at times with his pass protection and some other guys so okay so let's get to the backs who are who are two or three guys that or just pick, give me one guy right now who you believe can make a roster as a late round pick and develop into a reliable reserve Corey schrader yeah. Uh, from Missouri, I, th I think that that's a big one for me. Is uh, just kind of watching him at the Senior Bowl, but also too, he's you know at eighteen hundred total yards in in the SEC, right? I mean, yeah. that's a big one. Like, not many. Like, if you kind of look at the list of guys who put up eighteen hundred total yards and fourteen touchdowns, the list is few. Um, and he did. So I think he's someone that I think can be a contributor at the NFL level. Um, will he be a star? I don't know. I don't think so. But he's someone I think that could be a reliable asset to a run game and be in the league for a long time with his style of play. Yeah, I like that. I'll 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 do Boise State's George Helani, who's a five eleven, two hundred five pound guy. With um, I think he's a good receiver. He has some contact balance. I think he can make a practice squad this year and maybe develop along the lines of being what. I would say the way people, the way teams use Jeremy McNichols and Salvin Ahmed, I think he's in that range of player okay. with a little bit more in the tank than what those two have shown as a runner. 
Um, so I, I think that he might even be a borderline like situational back who's going to be valuable in the situations, maybe like a Jalen Richard at times, maybe someone sure. like that. Sure. Who's the other guy? Uh, I have two more. I have three okay. total. I think I, 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 and all FDC dudes actually is kind of funny. They're kind of pushed down. Uh, Jace McClellan. Okay. I think that's one. And uh, Kendall Milton's the other. Um, I think Milton's an interesting one because I don't think we've seen the best of Kendall Milton. Yeah. I think he's a really unique back in terms of what he brings from a size speed perspective. But also I think what he does laterally is really interesting at, you know, his height and weight. I think he's like 6'1", 225. Um, does some really nice things in, in open space. So I think he's going to be an interesting one to watch as we go through, you know, combine and pro day season um, to see if his draft stops. Draft, draft stuff kind of rises and, and see where NFL general managers are going to potentially take him or if he's going to be, you know, a seventh rounder UDFA. Yeah, I was hoping that Kendall Milton would be like an Eddie George type of back coming into Georgia um, sure. based on what I saw in high school, but it just hasn't manifested on that level at the at this stage, but I understand where you're coming from with him and and certainly I like the I like the pick of Cody Schrader. You know, he's a, like you said, you know, there's there's a lot to like about him when you think of him strictly as an NFL candidate um, to play. He's productive. There's some, th you know, in terms of he's, I think he's a smart runner, um, you know, and certainly is a determined runner. Um, I'll put Kam Kamani Vidal on my <laughs> list of Troy. Yeah. The, um, yeah. you know, he's about 5'7", 215. Um, I thought he was a very, you know, a, a powerful back. Um, and I saw some, you know, decent decision-making from him where I feel like he's someone that might be able to be a little bit more than a, than a reserve. I think he can, I, I don't know. I like him as a, as a, if he, if he can stick around and survive the perception of his draft capital and actually get and not make mistakes in camp and 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 earn opportunity to make a roster i think he could possibly become a committee back in the right scenario i think the low center of gravity um the movement skills um you, you know i i think there's something there with him for sure no i i agree and senior bowl guy too right yeah um Watching him there, it seemed like he in past pro. I think that was that was a spot too where he, he kind of earned his stripes. Yes. Um, but yeah, he, he's a, he's a smart runner. I think that's one thing that's gonna in this class. I think we're gonna see a lot of is guys who can stick around in the league. Yeah. Hang around long enough to earn a shot, right? To, yeah. to earn a shot as a as a maybe like a, a secondary or tertiary option in the backfield, then just kind of work their way up. Um, but yeah, he's one of those guys for me too that yeah, you, know, you kind of circle him and see how the NFL views him, right? Yeah. Because he's a guy that could go in the fourth round. Yes. Could very well. So he's definitely an interesting one. Yeah. Who's your third? Oh man. So from uh for this one it was uh it was McClellan. Okay. Right? You, you so, mentioned McClellan and you mentioned Schrader. Oh, McClellan, Schrader, Milton. That's right. That's Milton. right. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, so we did. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I we got the three. But, I mean, I think another one yeah. that's really interesting is Will Shipley. Yes. And I think he's. I think we might be talking about him in that next category, too, because I think he's a, he's a really good player. Yes. And I think he's not getting talked about enough um, because he's when he came into college, the one thing he was logged for is the path catching, number yeah. one. And two – uh, he was one of the faster backs coming into that class, right? He was a like a six four guy in the fifty five meters, um, which is a really good time for a high school kid. So I think he's an interesting one to see how he does. The combine's massive for Will Shipley. So if he can run the if he can run the high four threes, low four fours, he's getting he's getting some capital. Yeah. Right? He's probably gonna be a fifth rounder at that point. Um similar to where Chase Brown was drafted from Illinois last year. Yeah. So I think he's another one that's pretty interesting in, in from that standpoint. He has very good movement, and he's certainly on my list too, for the pass catching reasons. Um, certainly, in terms of how he can move, he's a good tight crease runner. 
Um, yeah, he certainly sure. understands how to run. The, I think he's a very technically sound football player in the scheme in terms of the in terms of what you would want from a running back in a variety of dimensions. It's just you know the role that they're going to want to use him is more in a Deion Lewis, James White type of right. role than as a Travis Etienne successor right. type of right. thing. So yeah, I think that's a good one. He's certainly on my list too. I'm, I, I'll say Dejon Edwards is one of Georgia, those the, right? from Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. I was surprised that you know, I, I like his tight crease play. I thought he had a little bit more pop and physicality than I expected from him. Um, good mover, um, good receiver. I think there was some, you know, if I remember correctly. You know, equally good in gap and zone. Um, and I thought that he really made strong decisions. Like, I didn't see a lot of, like, issues with his decision-making. And so, you know, competent blocker. Um, you know, I think the passing game can improve a little bit. But for me, more than anything is he was very reliable with the ball. And he was a very reliable decision maker with enough, with good enough movement and quickness that I was like, okay, I, you know, maybe not a long-term speedster, but another like James White, Deion Lewis type of guy that I could see finding his way into a lineup that way. For sure. No, I, I 100% agree. He's one of those, he's one of those backs too, I think that's going to, be in the NFL for a while because he understands how to run in tight creases. Yep. Right? He's going to be a good addition to any running back room. We're gonna, I'm going to echo that a lot because there's a lot of backs like that in this class yeah. that I look and say, hey, this this guy might not be the engine of an offense or someone who gets 14 to 16 touches a game, but they're guys that can stick around a room for a long time because they understand how to play the position. Yeah. And that's an important trait, right? If you're listening for fancy purposes, that's not what you want to hear. Right. But there's more than a few guys in this class that play the position at a high level, but aren't just that just aren't high level talents from a physical standpoint. Yes. Mayan Williams is a perfect example of that player. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Who's your who's your second guy? Ooh. So for me, I would say in this case, another one's Rashin Ali. I think he's interesting because of the simple fact that we had we saw him be a really impactful freshman at Marshall, right? Yeah. We saw him be a really impactful freshman. Then he had the ACL. Comes off the ACL and proves he's still kind of this, he's the same guy. Yeah. And he was a really explosive runner. And before he left the Senior Bowl, we kind of saw that he was to me he was the best back at the Senior Bowl for the short time he was there. Um, him and Dylan Lobby kind of lit it up, but for for me, when I watch a guy like that, it's he can, you know, if he gets healthy and he can stick around a bit, he can he can prove that he has a little more of like that kind of like Stelvan Ahmed to him where he can stick around a bit because he has a different element to his game that, that's sometimes hard to find in the RB room. And you kind of mesh that play speed with also kind of the, the, the good, solid intuition of the running back position. Yeah. He's the Jawan Jennings of this class, if you ask me, in the sense yeah. that when you watch him and you see how he breaks tackles and how he keeps his, his feet and then, you know, his direct, his contact balance with glancing shots. And then you look, you look at that and you go, he's got to be like 215, 220. Right. And then you look at him and you go, oh, he's 204 probably or in the under 210 at this point maybe he won't be at the combine but that's what it looked like the listed weight was sop and wet and then you're like huh and that but then you know like you said the acceleration the decision making the elusiveness there's a lot there to like the ball security is awful so like now how do you predict that there that's probably the most pro that's probably the most um unpredictable thing if you ask me be- for sure because sony michelle had awful ball security in georgia and it was fine, you know? Yeah. And then there's some other guys who you're like, their ball security was fine, 
I think Amir Abdullah was one where it was fine. Yeah. And he got into his head and it was like all over. And then some guys like it is what you see it to be. But there's right. there's the, it's a wide range. So it's like you don't want to overemphasize ball security, but at the same time, you don't want to like throw it away either because Stefan Ridley can tell you or David, um, oh, what was his name? The Virginia Tech back who retired to do track. Um, oh, um, David Wilson. David Wilson, yeah. Yes. I mean, those two guys, those two guys, you know, their careers went a very different path than what their talent may have shown too. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely fun guys in, in that. I would, I'll say Blake Watson is another one for me. I'm a, okay. I'm a Blake Watson fan. I don't know what his draft capital is going to look like, um, but I see him as a player that kind of is an aspiring Gio Bernard, someone okay. who, who, someone sure. who can play a little bit bigger than than his size, um, good pad level someone who really catches the ball um you know well someone in the open field that isn't you know that isn't bad at all but he can work between the tackles he can be a tight crease runner um doesn't do anything that i would say phenomenally but he does enough things well enough that he could carve out a role if he's consistent with what he does i don't think he's gonna become the next Austin Eckler, but that's the player that like, if he blows every expectation away, he's he's in that um, archetype of player, but he's not, I don't think he's ever gonna get there or with Gio Bernard, but he's kind of aspiring sure. to, to get there. Sure, no, 100%, I agree. Yeah, we talked about this earlier, I think a few episodes ago. Memphis just churns out those guys. Yeah. Like continually good running backs. Yeah. Like may not be the best one's Tony Pollard, obviously. But like you look at that list. Like Pollard, Gainwell, Gibson, Watson. Like those are good, good quality backs. So I think in from that standpoint, yeah, you can carve out a well, Blake Watson can carve out a third down role in, in the NFL offense for yeah. sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Now whether you can be more, that's the interesting part, but we'll see. So do you have another one? Or should we move on to our next our next category? Next category. Okay, next category. So who are the guys? Who are the guys that we're looking at and saying, regardless of what their actual draft capital is, who are the ones that but you go, I think they're early round talents. At least say at least third round. Oh man. Okay. I have four guys that I'm like, these guys are early round dudes. Okay. Jonathan Brooks. Okay. I think he's a round two guy. Yep. Blake Corum, round three guy. Jalen Wright, I think he's one of those guys that has a really high ceiling and kind of reminds me a little bit of Travis Etienne coming out of Clemson. Okay. More so what their shortcomings were, because if you remember Etienne's game, where he struggled and where he was also brilliant was through contact. Yeah, struggled because he turned through contact too often and got lit up. Yeah, like he got punished for a lot of plays he didn't need to be punished for, um, and there was a lot of inconsistency there. But he made some brilliant spin moves and things of that nature. We see that same thing with Jalen Wright out of Tennessee. And the last one, Dalen Lowby. Yep, I have a third round grade on Dylan Lowby. When you watch Dylan Lowby's tape. Two things stick out to me. One, he is a really strong vertical receiver. Like not yep. just oh, not no. just as a running back. No. Like he's legitimate. You can stick him on the boundary. We saw us at the senior bowl. You can stick him on the boundary and he can put the work to some corners. Yeah. And that's a really impactful thing. And you watch him play from the slot, does a great job at pressing boundary side and and catching over shoulder is a great job adjusting to to underthrows and overthrows. There's a lot of stuff in his game that's really nuanced as a traditional receiver, which you don't see as often um, at the running back position. And then he's a really good accelerator. Like that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But there's a couple plays, and I think I just posted one to the Twitter where he's playing Towson, and Towson is really good athletes on defense, and he just turns on the burners and it's a 25, 30-yard touchdown. 
there's a lot of plays like that on Lauby's tape. I think he's getting um, underlooked and undervalued, similar to how we did that the same thing to Austin Eckler, and Austin Eckler's an all-pro. Not saying Dylan Lauby equals Austin Eckler, but I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Lauby ends up being one of the better backs in this cycle because he has a trait that's going to allow him to see the field potentially right away because he's going to come into the NFL and be one of the better pass-catching backs in most receivers, yep. in most running back rooms. And that's going to be a really impactful thing for him as he's going to walk in, have a role like that. And at worst, I think he's a kind of gain wealth. Yeah. Right? Who, who can be a spot starter, who's a smart runner. But Kenneth Gainwell was a great receiver coming out of Memphis. That's when, that was one of Gainwell's better traits. Now, the Philly offense over the last few years with Jalen Hurts at the helm doesn't involve the running back very much in their passing game. But that was one of Gainwell's more impactful traits. So I think Lowby, kind of in that same vein, can be a more impactful version of that. Uh, I think he's a better receiver than Gainwell and is actually a more um, abrupt runner as an accelerator and does some really nice things there. Yep. But I think for me, Lauby's kind of that diamond in the rough player at the position where a lot of people are looking at his RB15, RB20. I mean, this kid, I think, is a top six, top five running back in this class. I have him in my top five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't see why he's not – to me, I think caliber-wise, between like a James Cook and Kenneth Gamble. Yep. Like caliber-wise, I think that's kind of where he sits. That's a very good NFL player. And one that's going to make an impact on the NFL passing attack and, and, as, and as a runner. One of the things that really stood out to me in addition to his receiving, when you said he does some nice things as a runner, one of those nice things is that he really has a great feel for how to use his body into contact right. and to come and integrate both um, pad level leverage and um, footwork into creating space for himself, whether it's in the open field or between the tackles. Um, knowing kind of like how to drop a pad using the correct pad so that he's not endangering the ball to find a way to to spin away from defenders where it looks like there's three that have him dead to rights and he finds the outside lane. Um, right. there's, there's just some skills there like that in addition. So I'm with you. He To me, there's not much difference in score for me with him and Blake Corum. Like I'm, that's, the, and I know that a lot of people look at Blake Corm as one of the safest runners in this class. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, to me, there's that. Um, for Jalen Wright, like for me, if the if the um, the ball security holds up better than what it and improves, then I think he's in that conversation as a as a player who can become a reliable committee back in the league. Um, right now where I have him is more like Blake Watts in the same range as Blake Watson, okay. which is lower than most people who have him as like, he's our number one back or he's one, a top five back, but he's, and I get it. I like, I get where he could be top five to a degree. It's just for me, it was the ball security and the, the contact balance with certain types of, shots that i that mm -hmm. i look at is saying so it was a little from what i saw it was a little weaker than what i expected in both areas and so he's still in the range of player that i would say not far away from being a committee back at all and very viable for him to improve and 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 get up there but just wasn't quite there yet and more on a right. level of like gotta prove these two things and if you do that absolutely can get behind that so yeah yeah no 100 percent. he's an interesting one always because guys like him who are really good accelerators i mean 629 55 meters which is a really 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 good time for anybody right. um but for being 210 pounds especially so guys like that if they come into the league and can learn how to place forward yep then we have some yeah right and with etn that was his thing is you got to slow him down yeah you got to make him more than a one-speed back. Yeah. You have to teach him how to how to play behind his pads, take contact, and in your right, there's certain shots with with right that he doesn't take well at all. Tends yeah. to turn through contact, um, and it, you know, being a good accelerator, that's your best weapon through contact. Right? You want to weaponize that thing. 
Yeah. And a lot of times you don't see that. Just kind of an immature runner. Yeah. But he has a lot of the, the, the underlying tools that you want to see. And one thing I like is he competes. Yes. Like that's really important for me when I watch the running back. Do, do they compete? And, you know, we'll get to this later, but a guy kind of on the inverse of that, who I get really frustrated with, Braylon Allen. Yeah. For a 200, a near 250 pound man, the lack of, the lack of, competitiveness i should say down to down just isn't there there's not consistency there yeah and when you're one of the biggest humans on the field especially in college like who's getting the ball like that has to be that has to be every down like, yeah. like audric estime we i felt that like that was there right through contact that was there i didn't feel like he played small but for braylon allen i feel like a lot of times I wish you would play at 250 yeah. instead of at 205. Yeah. And that's the tougher thing of how to evaluate that because he's also really young. Yeah. Right? He's going to play his rookie year at 19 years old, I think. Yeah. So that's it's, the difficult thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, a, a guy like Michael Bishop, who was a heck of a quarterback in high school who turned into a running back, he was one of those guys at Louisville who became a Raider and early in his career. I remember listening to Chris Spielman talk about this when Michael Bishop's Louisville Cardinals were playing D'Angelo Williams' Memphis mm. Tigers and about how, you know, Bishop doesn't run to his size. He doesn't drop the pads. He doesn't attack. And, you know, and then here's, here's Williams who attacks like he's 235. And you could see that difference. And Allen, when he's at his best, I think he's... I think when if you look at him at his best in terms of being consistent, then you're probably looking at a player who's probably in the same range as guys like Wright, like Lobby, maybe not as high, like Trey Benson, maybe, you know, to an extent. But like you said, if it's not, but if it's not consistently there, then you need, you know, you got to prove that you can do that. You can't just give it to him. So he's more, for me, he's more in that range of like, whereas Jalen Wright has room to go up, Braylon Allen has a lot of room to fall. And I think that they're kind of in a similar spot for me in different, but their trajectory feels like they're in different situations. Yeah, and that's a really interesting thing you said that. And I think one of the reasons why is, can they overcome the Wisconsin, there's kind of this Wisconsin curse in a way, if you think about it. Jonathan Taylor struggled mightily for the first part of the year. Right. right? So much so people were calling him a bust. I remember right. it sounds like this kid is actually really good. But yeah. I don't know. But he just hasn't figured it out. And look past that, another big one that came out, Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Right? Didn't score a touchdown of the year from what I, right. from what I remember. But a lot of times guys like that come in the NFL because they're very volume-based runners. Yeah. That like Wisconsin's a volume based rushing system. Yep. Um, and they're not exposed to a lot of schematic variety. So you're asked to do different things, you know, read different run types, and that is a very daunting task when you're up up, you know, a fresh footed rookie. So that's the thing I'm looking at with a guy like Allen is is that going to be too much too soon? And, you know, obviously guys like, like Melvin Gordon was a pro bowler. Jonathan Taylor is a pro bowler. Like, they, they figured it out. But I think they those two have keys of their game that Allen doesn't have. Allen's more of the Najee Harris type. Najee figured it out after a couple of years that he has to drop his pads and, you know, can't jump over anybody and, and can't break guys down. This is, it doesn't happen like that, like it did in Alabama. But... If Allen doesn't figure that out, I think you're you're right that the trajectory for Allen's going to go down. But yeah. if he does, I think Allen's going to be a really competent player, similar to the runner Najee Harris is actually. Yeah. I think those those two compare like a pretty compared comparable stylistically, um, without Najee Harris's receiving profile. But I think that's kind of what you'd want. The thing is, too, a guy like Braylon Allen needs a heavy volume rushing off. Like and a good offensive line, 
So how many teams in the NFL are going to be heavy volume rushing teams with good offensive lines at this point? So let me ask you this, Brandon. Just we'll, we'll pick your analogy, whether it's food or a car. What's a high price premium product in terms of food or car that you go, okay, yeah, I'm, I won't pay for that because I can have this and I'm just as satisfied and it's, it costs less or it's just not as much upkeep. Because, yeah. It's yeah. a good question. I mean, for, I, yeah, it's like, why, why would I go, why would I buy a Lamborghini when I can just get a Ford and go to work? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, and that's the thing is it's like Braylon Allen, if you're in the fantasy world, the cost of acquisition is going to be pretty high yeah. for a guy like Allen. And it's going to be a what if, right? He's not a sure thing. I think if he pans out, you're looking at a Najee Harris type impact, which is pretty good. Yeah. RB, you know, RB 10 to RB 15, you know, in a sense, if he, if you throw some pass catching in there, like Harris's rookie year, Rothberg or check down, check down. And also Harris, Harris had profile as a really good receiver out of college yeah. um, where Allen does not. So that's going to be the interesting part of it. But yeah, I think, you know, it's, what do you do with a prospect like that? Yeah. You have to hope he lands in, in a near perfect situation, like a situation for him to me, that is in that perfect category, the Baltimore Ravens, right? If he goes to Baltimore, where they say we want to take some tread off Lamar Jackson's fires, but also too, Braylon Allen's not going to be the guy. Lamar's the guy. Yeah, Lamar's the most impactful rusher in that offense. Two of the most impactful rushers in the NFL. So that's that's a really good thing. But there's not many spots like that yeah. in the league, and most are filled with really good players already. Baltimore don't spend the Mercedes money on a Mercedes that has all those plastic cheap parts that you used to that you used to not have in your cars when you can get a Lexus for for less that still looks nice and may still have those cheap parts but you're spending less and they're more reliable and they're not as costly to fix you know what you can do you can go to Miami and get Christopher Brooks because every time I watched um, every time I watch Braylon Allen I go I wonder what Christopher Brooks would have done in a Wisconsin offense um, especially after watching him his first year at Miami and going, I hope they pair him with Devin Agent because it, you know, down the line, because that guy can play. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, he can. Yeah. For sure. So, so yeah, that's an example. Who's your fourth guy? Cause we never got to your fourth guy. We got Brooks. We got lobby. We got, um, we got right. So who's the fourth? Oh, Coram. Blake Corum. Blake Corum. There you go. Blake Corum. I just think Blake Corum, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, the safety. And I think just the between the ears skill set of Corum is very high level. Like yeah. j just how he plays the position um, is very chess master like um, with how he understands leverage, how does how he understands when to do what. Not very not physically gifted, kind of like that Kyron Williams esque runner. Yeah. Where he just he's the best back in the room because he just understands the position the best. Yeah. And that's it. Doesn't make very many mistakes as a runner. Uh, and I think that's kind of in that same vein, um, which is a good thing. I think, you know, certain, I think certain running back rooms will appreciate a guy like that and, and put him at the top of the, the top of the depth chart, so to speak, um, and let him play. But also, too, if he falls in the draft, then that's a, that's going to be tough for him to get to kind of move up there, like Tyron Williams, right? It's okay, you know, obviously Cam Akers falling out of favor there and yeah. the injury and all that. And um, but yeah, I think you kind of see what happens with guys like Blake Corum as opposed, to like let's say like Zach Evans, yeah. right? Him and Kyron Williams, the inverse of yeah. athleticism with those two, right? Yeah. But that's why, you know. The Zach Evans, similar to a to a Jalen Wright, yeah, right. That's different than a Kyron Williams and Blake Corum, where you can slot in Kyron Williams and Blake Corum on most NFL teams, and they're not going to make the big mistake. Yep. And that's a really important and impactful part of playing the position is being able to be mistake free. Yeah. And certain coordinators will really want that in their offense and. 
Um, I'm I'm actually really interested to see a what round Corum goes in, and then b what NFL team grabs him because I would love to see him in. I'd love to see him in Dallas. That'd be an awesome fit for him. I think take some take some pressure away from Tony Pollard and have another reliable runner uh, yeah. in the backfield. Yeah, I think Blake Corum. If if Kyron Williams is at the bottom of the scale, I think Ray Rice is at the top of the scale as a you know as a, sure. the more souped up athletic version of of that archetype and i would probably put i i would probably put blake Corum somewhere in between those two guys like yeah. you, you know one closer maybe to the other but i'm with you on Corum. i'm with you on brooks you know brooks to me is smooth there's a cadillac williams-esque type of vibe sure. to how smooth he is um and that's just one of a couple players i can imagine best pass protector maybe in the class one of the closest sure. one of the better ones and he just has he, the game is slow for him the game yeah, is totally can, slow for him you you can definitely tell he, he he's kind of like stylistically kind of like a smaller version of like Ramondre Stevens yes yes just kind of plays the game at a different speed and always seems to come out on top like yeah. like Ramondre you know when Ramondre's at his best, he's and he's one of the better backs in the league. Yeah, he, he's just hard to stop. Yeah, um, and I really like I like a lot I like a lot of Jonathan Brooks' game. Um, obviously, the injury is interesting. Yeah, to see when he'll be drafted, what NFL teams think of his medical is crazy because the you know two of the best backs in this class and Corm and Brooks, you know both ACLs right. Corm's another year removed. But Brooks is probably, you know, he's an early round two talent, in my opinion, who I don't know if he's going to be drafted in the second or third. Right. Might not be, depending on how the medicals go. But I think he's someone that could be, you know, a future, like a 2025, but we'll start to see him come on. But is that going to be too late? Right. And that's the interesting question with him. For sure. And that's what makes us back this class risky. I like Dylan Lobby as, as he's, my, he's my third. Uh, after you know with Brooks and Coram certainly I think he's a top five back in this class at this point um, at least that's where I have him graded um, and we talked about him at length I'll say my my fourth guy is Dylan Johnson um, Love the, it. Yeah. yeah the the UW Mississippi State back now there's a lot to cover with him in the sense of you know when you you have the injury he had you know he had a foot fracture that he played through then he had um, you know, I believe he had a, a, a quad strain and then he had a knee and he played through that in this, uh, you know, in, in the bowl game. And I, I think that's a worthwhile point that he played through it in two bowl games or, well, he got injured in the first one and then he played through it in the national championship, which you would expect a player to do. Um, and, and I thought he played tough and I thought he played pretty well considering what was going on. Um, now that's interesting to note when you consider that there's a there's a YouTube video apparently of Mike Leach talking about the the departed Mike Leach that uh, you know saying basically saying whether it was a candid conversation that shouldn't that wasn't supposed to air or whether it was really him or not saying I'm glad Dylan Johnson left the Mississippi State program because I didn't think he was very tough. Now we'll see whether that's the case all i can tell you is what i saw on film and what i saw on film was completely antithetical to what what that rumor is but or substantiated um you know characterization of dylan johnson he runs hard he attacks creases hard he's a good tight crease runner he finishes with great pad level i think he's got some of the better contact balance in this class um, he can stay upright and move people. Um, I think direct shots and indirect shots, he's the best back in this class, like in terms of taking those and working through it. Um, the, to me is, I, I honestly, like it's this, the explosion I want to see. Like he runs hard, so it looks like he's got really good initial acceleration. But then when you start to watch some of the plays downfield, mm -hmm. You go, all right, can he maintain enough speed to do more than give you a 30, 40-yard gain? 
And I think the answer is no. I think that, you know, I think yeah, the answer the, is no. It peters out pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And that, that's kind of the tougher part sometimes with guys of his archetype is you want to see do they have the base, like a baseline acceleration quality, yeah. right? Because if they don't, then it's going to be harder for them. Not, not that they can't be an NFL back, it's going to be hard for them to actually see the field over guys that do. Yes. And that's the really difficult thing is, like you got to survive them. them. Yeah, you got to be Peyton do. Barber. You've got to be yes. Kyron Williams. You got to. Yes. yes, you have to literally stick around enough to just survive it, um, because those backs are kind of, you know, those backs are going away a little bit. Yeah. Right. I think we're getting into more of an in-space game with backs, where your backs are more of your weapon acts than your guys who get the ball twenty times a game. A guy like Jonathan, you watch him at Washington. When you turn on Washington tape, you notice two things. Roma Dunze is really freaking good at football. And two, who is who is number seven? Right. Like, right. You, like you keep coming <laughs> back to it. Yeah. It's funny because you know, I, was, I, I totally forgot he was on Washington. Yeah. I turned on the game and it's like first down after first down after first down. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. is that Don Johnson? Yeah. Footwork. Like, like yeah footwork and maturity and like you're going why do you like my my first question i I posted on twitter or x when i was like i only have one question about dylan johnson i was like how did the state of mississippi let this guy get away into the transfer portal and then somebody said well here's what here's what went down but like you know he he played through this stuff he looked tough to me so I run hard. Yeah, he, he runs. He runs hard. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's one of those. I don't know, man. He's just he's one of those players that I think will stick around because running back rooms need a little nasty. Yeah, yeah. There's guys in this class that kind of have that have a little nasty. Like Jamal it's, Williams it's, is implied yeah, is is a totally he will be in the NFL till he's thirty five. Yeah. Like he's one of those but that's the thing is like you know, running back rooms need a little nasty. Like they need they need that guy. Yeah. And that's who he kinda is, right? I think there's some guys in this class that kind of profiles that at a higher level, like Trey Benson. Yeah. Like Trey Benson has a little nasty, man. Like and that's a that's a big thing about Benson's game is he yeah. has a little nasty, but he's also got the Pacheco in terms of being a really abrupt accelerator and being yeah. able to run away from guys doesn't have the wonky, you know, movement signature Pacheco does. But yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting part of Benson's game for sure. But that's that's the, that's kind of the that's the part of that. Like that's yeah. that archetype. Like yeah. you want you want guys like that. You want the bodyguard. I'm a like, I'm a magnet for the nasty runner. Like if I if if I if if the way I like watching football translated to any level of athletic ability, I would have been Spencer Ware. That's who I would okay. be as a running back. That was that hit that Marshawn Lynch archetype, but I, I just like didn't, that, that Dante Foreman. Yeah, you, just, like, just I'm gonna run sense. through you. I'm gonna accelerate into you. My pads are gonna be low, and I'm gonna do every you know all the little things, and I'm and I'm not gonna get tired. You're gonna right. tire out before I do. But that's that that ex- I'm drawn to guys like that. So I, that makes sense about Dylan Johnson in terms of that because i watched him and was like oh yeah that's that's all that's there so what about guys that were like okay we're hearing good stuff about or people are excited about but maybe i'm not as excited as they are about them oh man so i'm like excited and unexcited bucky irving yes yes like why i think he's a big one because i felt a very similar way as i felt about devin singletary coming out of yes and it's wow like one run they're breaking retackles and the thing is bucky can run away from some dudes singletary could not yep but in the next play you, you know you just veer outside when you know there is a there was a crease off tackle and it just didn't work and they're just going off schedule too much and it just like what it's like what are you doing 
But there's other times I'm like, this guy's the best player in the Oregon offense. Like there was a there's a wide range yes. with with a guy like Irving. But I do think like he can be like a Devin Singletary type player, which is a good player in the NFL. He was the best back on the Texans, and he figured it out. Like Devin Singletary figured out that median between really dramatic, almost overly dramatic movements in in Buffalo. Yep. Right. And then he toned that down into using a lot of his through contact skills yeah. on schedule. Yeah. And that's the thing that like Irving, if he can do that, he can be a Devin Singletary plus player in the NFL because he's so good in space. He does he does some hilariously wonky things, but they work out. Yeah. Because that's just how he is. Do you remember Kevin Smith, the UCF back? I do. He was wonky as all get out. I do remember Kevin Smith. He he was a lion. Yes. Yeah, he was a lion. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Kevin Smith. Kevin Kevin Smith was a big, wonky back who, like, I loved watching, but you look at him and go, yeah, that shouldn't happen. Like, and, but, like, the big difference for me with Singletary and Irving is, you're right. Irving's a little more explosive. Singletary had nothing but will and technical 100%. skill. Like, you watch him and you go, like, Terry McLaurin, I laugh and say he's like the bumblebee of receivers because physically, the way he catches the ball, that should not fly. That, like, that physically does, right. that, that goes against the laws of physics. And you go, but he does it reliably. You look at Singletary and you go, I remember saying, like, if he does it, it's all based on the fact that his vision, decision-making, and footwork are a compensatory factor to an extreme level for everything else, for being short, small, light, and not very powerful, but having the everything you need to, like, and he has. I look at Irving, I don't think he has the decision-making vision skills that are consistent enough that Singletary had. Singletary was more like, okay, I'm so slow and so unexplosive for the NFL. You know, for the NFL, okay? For the NFL. Oh, yeah. that, that I'm so this, that like I have to learn, like you said, right. how to calibrate what I can and can't get away with here sure. as opposed to there. I think Irving doesn't I think Irving has to learn some things and then learn to calibrate whereas I think Singletary was all about okay I got to watch the film this I got to take out of my my lexicon this I've got to take out of my lexicon this I can adjust a little bit Irving's got I think Irving's got to add some skills but I'm with you like he has a place I just I don't know. Singletary, I almost I almost think Singletary would be like a compliment to like, would be like the ultimate compliment for him to you get heard. there. But he's faster than Singletary. So I'm with yeah, you, but sure. like, yeah. So I'm um, I'm probably going to say Marshawn Lloyd. I, yeah, I Mar- sure. Marshawn Lloyd is like his ball security is the concern for me. And I'm not like this one. This is the case of a guy where I go, I'm pretty confident that this is not going to be good. Like, like he's not the guy where I go, Sony Michelle. I'm thinking more. He's the Stefan Ridley in, in this case. Um, I worry ab- about, you know, I think the acceleration is good, but not great. I think the, the decision-making is pretty good. He does have, He's, but it's not star level the way I think people put it at. Like, I think he bounces too many outside. I think that there's decisions he makes that are not mature. And I don't think the footwork and the, the transition ability and quickness are as strong as people think. And I think there's been, I think there's, I think people have seen one too many of those Caleb Williams option pitches with him in open space and have like not thought about what it is they actually see. And so when I look at his third down game, his ball security and, you know, the the minor dings of things that like there's too many things that need to get better 
where I feel like I'm worried that he may not be able to overcome enough of them to For become sure. the player that he could be. Like, the potential's there. I don't think the reality's ever going to reach it. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I definitely agree. I think the physical ability at the, you know, at the 99th percentile is one of the better backs in the cycle. But at the 50th percentile, it's probably out of the league in a couple of years. Yes. And that's the tough thing is he doesn't have a lot of wiggle room for mistakes. Because when you come into the NFL and that's kind of the red act, really, it's not physical ability. It's ball security. It's a huge one for him. Huge. That's the biggest one for him. And you saw the senior bowl too. Like that was a big one. Yeah. Um, but if he makes mistakes as a runner and, you know, becomes, you know, one of those guys where you can't rely on him, it's going to be like we saw this year with Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, we saw that finally when Miles wasn't, you know, carried in a sense by the, you know, Philadelphia offensive line, like the ineffectiveness. Yeah. And the ball security issues and all that stuff pops up. But, I think when you look at a guy like Marshawn Lloyd is you want to get him into a room where there's really good veterans. Yeah. You want to get him into uh want to get him behind an offensive line that's pretty well established. So there's a lot of like you want to do this, you want to do this. He's not a player you set him in a room and say this guy's going to make the room better. The room has to make him better. And that that's the tough part about him and his evaluation is he has the tools but the room he goes in has to make him the better player. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I think getting a chance to listen to Brandon talk about running backs will make you a better player, you know. And we certainly, you know, have enjoyed being able to to do this with with you guys. Now, before I go, because I just realized something, did I ask you about any of your other players that you have on your list? Because I think you might have a couple others here. So we don't have to end this at this point. Oh man. All right. I think the, yeah. so the only, one, the only other one I had on there that was, I'm like, Oh man, I don't know. I just don't know what, what he's going to be. And then we talked about Brandon. Yeah. Right. I think we talked about Brandon now and I think he's going to be closer to AJ Dillon than he is Najee Harris. Um, but yeah, I think the tough thing is he has to go somewhere that understands that he needs to develop. Yeah. Like he's not somebody you want to see the field right away you want him to develop behind you know an experienced offensive line behind good veteran backs yeah um and also too you'd want him to develop behind someone of a similar archetype as he is right yeah. i think that's an important one but that's a little bit more rare like he's kind of like please just be the derrick henry understudy for exactly. a couple of years and then learn because derrick henry if you remember derrick henry had to learn yeah. Like, he didn't come into the NFL and light it up. Mm -mm, right. Not at all, actually. Right. So that's the thing is you, you want him to kind of, you know, that would be perfect world. He's, you know, Derrick Henry takes him under the wing, and then when Derrick Henry rides off into the sunset, Braylon Allen kind of gets put in. and um, Similar archetype isn't the long speed that Henry does, but I think with with that size, you have to learn how to use it and, and be, you know, be the engine of an offense from a delivering punishment standpoint, understand how to take it and stay injury free and all that. But he's an interesting back. I think we'll, I think the combat will be interesting for him because I think he's going to be a guy who times in the four, four highs. Yeah. Which is going to be massive for stock. He's going to be, I think he's going to be a second rounder. Yeah. Um, but is that a mistake or not? We'll see. Yeah. And that's the fun part about all this. So, you know, you can find, you know, you can find our buddy Brandon Angelo of course you know on here every other week you know with going deep you can also see his fantastic work on twitter at angelo underscore fantasy you know and that's fat you know that's just awesome stuff and you know you want to check out his site you know because he certainly has some good subscription value of what you're going to see in terms of you know in terms of the work that he has to offer so you know if you you know check out you know angelo ff at angelo underscore fantasy and give people the address to the site yeah it's angeloanalysis.com just got all of the first couple of tiers of receivers done so like 20 or so 15 or so done 
I'm working on the backs this weekend. So usually, usually we'll try to go, you know, in batches and then we'll release like the Ascension, the Ascension draft guide talking about the, the top, like the 99th percentile outcomes for these guys, what that looks like. Um, putting out the Y series. Um, this year I want to do it more so on like need base, like what people want to see more really deep dives in. I think Dylan Lobby might be my first one, him or Lad McConkey. Um, but then talking through that stuff and then rankings and all of that as well as we kind of get into draft season. Yeah, well, with that in mind, I, you know, rookie scouting portfolio, pre-sale is available. Coming soon. MattWaldman.com. You can learn more about it, MattWaldmanRSP.com. You know, I don't have any nicknames for it. There's not a lot of frills with it in terms of, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, visuals and that kind of thing. It's just straight up content of 900 to 1100 pages, um, you know, of 150 prospects at the skill positions. Um, and, you know, uh, I just had fun. I'm looking on Twitter and seeing Daniel Jeremiah go, everyone has their definition of a number one wide receiver. For me, it's this on third down and in the red zone, Everyone in the stadium knows where the ball's going and the defense can't do anything. And I would, I, it sounds very familiar to me. I'm not saying Daniel Jeremiah copied my stuff because that's ridiculous. He's got his own thoughts and all of that. But what I would say is that sounds like something I've been saying for about five years, except I'd expand it to third down, you know, late in the game, you're not in the red zone and the defense is geared it against you to where that goes. And Daniel liked what I said, because I said, sounds almost exactly how I would say this, agree. And, you know, it's respect, you know, it's just fun to see where that goes. So, you know, you you can get a product that is, you know, scout approved, at least from the what I hear from people, you know, like, you know, not just Daniel or Dan Hatman, who've done it in the game, or Russ Landy done the game, but like Alex Brown, who's the head of, uh, you know, recruiting at SMU and has been in a few places and meets with scouts and they say the RSP is a, a regular, a product he regularly sees with, with, with scouts when he comes to talk to them about for cross-checking. So um, with that in mind, you know, it's a pleasure to have Brandon on the show. He brings such a wealth of knowledge. You, you heard it here. Go support his work, go support my work, allow us to keep doing what we do and, uh, and I think you'll get more out of the work you support than what we get out of it in For return. Sure. And that's what we try to keep it at. So have a good week. We'll see you in a couple.